Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and today I have Corey Bignall on the show with me. And I can't wait for you to dive into this episode with Corey. As you all know, I've been a bit of a truth seeker through these past three years as we've seen complete chaos in the world and in Canada. And so I'm super grateful to have this episode with Corey just to illuminate some of the underworkings that are going on in the world and especially in Canada. And you may have all heard about the recent bill passed, or it's not so recent, but another part of that is the regulation of podcasts. So I would just really encourage everybody to seek out how you can fight against that as more of our freedoms are being taken away and our our free speech really limited. And if I come across any any ways to fight against it, I will definitely post it in the show notes. So watch for that. But Corey, Corey is a mother of two, and she is now an unregistered nurse. Corey was a nurse for 15 years in Ontario, here in Canada. And she lost her career due to the mandates in November of 2021. In that time frame, she knew that Canada was no longer safe for her as a single mom in debt with a mortgage living paycheck to paycheck. So Corey took a giant leap of faith um, that changed her life significantly. She sold her family home that she thought she would be in forever and relocated to Nicaragua. She had never traveled before, so a very overwhelming experience for her son and herself. And it was the first time she saw the, the ocean. So now two years later from that, she is uh, Jason Kristoff's self-sabotage coach. And it's her mission to help people level up. She wants people to experience the freedom and love for life that she has gained from leaving literally everything she had ever known to be normal. She wants to help nurses especially see just how corrupt the medical system is and to realize that they do not have to be slaves to the system. And this is such a powerful episode. Please spread these stories, Corey's story, wide and far. It is so important as we see you know, our democracy crumble in front of us, our freedoms taken away. And, you know, as someone who still lives in Canada, it's quite scary to see what is happening in my country and on a global scale as well. And so spread this episode as much as you can, please. It uh, helps so much to get these conversations out to a wider audience. And if you feel called to support the podcast, I have some affiliate links in my show notes. My absolute favorite at the moment is Fat Skin's Frankincense Face. It is all tallow with a few very limited other ingredients that are all natural. The company is Calgary, Canada-based, and it sources its tallow from local regenerative farmers and... I get compliments on my skin all the time. I swear it's taken years, years off my age. I went on a date and a guy thought I was 35. He thought I was 35. Almost 44 ladies. I say get the tallow. Uh, Yeah, I've been loving it so, so much. And it's also a way to get the nutrients from animal products, which I am such an advocate at. 
after having a really rough time experiencing the dangers of veganism. And so, yeah, that affiliate link is in the show notes. And as well, I have my apothecary where I'm making some beautiful, beautiful products. And there is a discount code there for all of you listeners. And now let's dive into the episode with Corey. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Corey. And to start, I know you've left Canada as many have. What has been your journey to yeah, leaving Canada and starting a new life elsewhere? Um, okay, where do I start? I guess my awakening, my full awakening was in 2020 when um uh and I've been a nurse for 15 years. So when the public started banging their pots and pans for us and you know delivering you know, wonderful meals to the hospital and treating us like we were like celebrities. Um, It kind of made me wonder like, what is actually happening here? Because at the time, the hospital I worked at, Grand River Hospital in Kitchener, Ontario, we were not busy. We were, there's very few COVID cases and the COVID cases we had were, you know, had other issues. They were in the hospital with COVID, not because of COVID. Um, and I, I was a float nurse, so I went all over the hospital so I could see that there was many COVID patients there. And, you know, the, the PR always updated us anyways to just how many COVID patients were there. And so it, we, we have very little census in terms of patients because not only did we not have a lot of COVID patients, we also, they also um, stopped any elective surgeries. So that cuts down a lot of patients. They would only do uh, emergency surgeries or emergency uh, cancer surgeries. So that cut down the patients. Mental health patients were coming in because of course the fear, they did not want to come into the hospital. So we were running like some of the floors, we normally have five patients to one nurse. It was like, three nurses to one patient and, you know, senior nurses at the time who worked in the OR because there was no work for them were like literally spot cleaning the halls in the hospital, like the railings. They were, I'm looking around going, okay, this is, it's so weird because it doesn't match what the media is saying and the hype on the TV. And it just didn't make any sense. And and then you don't want to say anything because you don't want to be that person that's like, oh, well, this doesn't seem real. Because I didn't know. I had no idea. But then, like, I could, then the masks came in in July of uh, 2020 in Kitchener and Waterloo Region. And I had went to Starbucks and I would go to Starbucks then. I don't anymore, but I did, <laughs> I did that. Uh, I went to Starbucks. I would always walk on my breaks, go to Starbucks and, and, uh, I never wore a mask. And at that time, that day, you didn't have to wear a mask. But that at midnight the next day, then the mask mandates were coming in. And so I'm dressed in my scrubs, my scrub cap, whatever. And everyone's so nice to me. They're, you know, oh, thanks for your hero and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. You know, it was getting old by that point. It was July 2020. The following day, 
So mass mandates came in at midnight. The following day, I walked into the same Starbucks without a mask. And the same staff member that had served me the day before, like she caught me at the door and screamed at me, you can't come in here without a mask. I'm like, what actual, it, what is happening? I was a hero yesterday. And now today I don't have a mask on. I didn't have a mask on yesterday. And now I'm like this villain. It didn't matter that I my scripts and she didn't care. And so that's when I was like, okay, I know what's happening here. The TV is telling these people to bang their pots and pans at 1900, like at shift change at 7 p.m. The TV is telling them that we're heroes. And so they're delivering delivering meals, really good meals um, to us. And then the TV is also saying, if you don't wear a mask, then you're like a really bad person and you're a super spreader. And it was just, it was an awakening for me. Like, uh, this is a scam. It is an absolute scam. And I was, I was raised without TV. Um, my mom, we, we lived in a, a schoolhouse. We didn't participate in Halloween or we were like the weird ones. So it's, I think kind of like in my nature to be like, mm, I don't think I want to like, I don't want to go up the stream with all the fish. Like I like to be different. And so I wasn't scared to be like, what the heck is actually going on? And then fast forward to um, the fall of 2021, then the, all the talk of the vaccine mandates. And uh, I didn't think they would actually go through with terminating us because we were so short staffed because at that point, fall, summer of 2021, we are getting a boatload of patients that had their treatment delayed from 2020, rip-roaring cancers from people not going to the hospital or going to the doctor because they were too sick because the media made them sick. Mental health was going through the roof. Even like, a, you know, a normal person was having a hard time because they were out of work. They were, you know, maybe domestic violence, like you name it. it like mental health was skyrocketing. Um, so the whole hospital was erupting, so there was no way that they could actually go through with firing us. I had emailed the CEO directly saying, okay, listen, I did a small survey. This was July 2021. Our staff are burnt out. Here's what you can do to help. Like, you can't do it anymore. You have to hire more people. And his thing was, well, yeah, we know we're going to be short. And that's we know there's a nursing shortage, and that's all there is to it. Well, then a month later, then... 250 healthcare workers were, were terminated from my hospital. That's not including the people that took an early retirement or that quit voluntarily because they wouldn't take the vaccine. And so that's out of 4,000 people, 250 refused it. The initial number, um, the people that didn't get it until they were actually forced to, I think was like 1,100. So it was a good 25, 30% of the hospital that absolutely probably would never have taken it, but their livelihood was threatened, right? And I'm, I'm a single mom. I have two kids, uh, Taylor's 29, Gabriel's uh, 14. Uh, and that was, a, now they're a little bit older, but they were a couple of years younger then. And I, there's no way I could go without pay. Yeah. Um, so I had to make a decision to either get it, 
keep my job or just say, I'm done, I have to tap out. I've been preparing for a long time. Uh, I've had meetings, secret meetings at my house before you, were, you weren't allowed to hang out. Um, I'd have my girls over, I'd call us the handmaids and, you know, we had kind of like plans. Okay, if they do this, then we're going to do this. And my thing was, if they actually put us in unpaid leave, I have to get out of here. I have to sell my house and I have to leave regardless of if they're going to terminate or not. Because if they can put us on unpaid leave, I mean, when in the history of ever have they ever put nurses in a mass amount on unpaid leave? Like it just doesn't even make any sense in a pandemic, right? So on October 12th, they put us, officially put us on unpaid leave. So that's it. I got to put my house up for sale. And it wasn't easy because it was my grandma's home that I bought from my family. My dad grew up there. It was the home I was going to be in forever. But I live paycheck to paycheck. I'm not embarrassed to say it. You know, and I was on this rat race of, you know, having my son and, you know, rep sports. And, you know, I busted my ass off to pay for his hockey, to do this and that. And, and you know, I took care of myself, of course. A lot of, like, I never went, I, we never traveled anywhere aside from hockey tournaments, you know. So I was on this rat race and I just said, I, I can't do it anymore. I don't feel safe here. I could have got a second mortgage to like give me a cushion for a couple of years. But the, the I think the whole, my worry was that it was just going to get worse before it was going to get better. And there was people that were saying to me that, no, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. You know, and I'm like, no, I feel it in the bottom of my stomach. I got to get out of here. And um, I chose Nicaragua. My friend had been there in September of that year and said it was really good. So I reached out to a couple that um, she met down here and I rented a house over the phone and sold my house within a couple days, packed up my house in about five weeks. Uh, the day my house closed on the 23rd of November is the day that we flew out. I had just finished moving my stuff that morning and uh, Gabriel and I, Taylor stayed here. She'd already moved out. Um, we flew to Nicaragua and, and landed here. And um, I just remember that morning that we were leaving, I lied on my floor in my house and I was like just hysterically crying, saying like, praying to God, like you have to give me something that is going to heal me because the, the pain that I had from leave, I didn't think I'd see my daughter again. I didn't think I'd see my family again because I didn't know what was happening. Right. And so once we got here and I went to the ocean and I had never seen the ocean before. So I saw the ocean and I'm like, instantly it was like, I am not healed completely, but like, ha, huh, I did the right thing. And and I'm out of debt now. I own, I bought my house in cash here. Um, the house that I rented, uh, I wasn't thinking about buying it, but I was gonna build, but I liked it so much. There's a, an enormous Wanacoste tree in my front yard. And I swear that thing just talks to me and it's like, sit here and we'll take all your troubles away. And um, it just felt right. And so I bought it for $157,000 US. It was about one ninety seven, And I sold my house in like peak market time because the houses were going bonkers at that time, which, 
you know, there was a certain number that I needed to have in order to make it work, you know, and, you know, the universe had my back a hundred percent, like 200 percent. Like it just opened up and said, okay, Corey, you're willing to give up everything that you know, your friends, your career, your home, then we are just going to like pave this way for you. And, and they did. And now I live a kilometer from the ocean and um, I'm just so happy, you know, and I'm glad not to be working in that place anymore. I see it for what it is now. Um, I, this year I gave up my registration because I can't participate in that system anymore. I know, I know way too much and too many, too many things that I would do as a nurse are so detrimental to people and I can't participate in that anymore. Um, and it took a lot for me to get there because I was indoctrinated myself. I'm a nurse. I have to give this medication for this. And, you know, and I, I was telling Tasha the other day, like I was one of the nurses that, you know, judged people who who didn't vaccinate their kids. I was, I wasn't mean to them. I wasn't mean. I was never mean to them. Like some nurses were, but I judged them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I did. It's interesting how we're all seeing the brainwashing and yeah. indoctrination that's been happening like our whole life. Yeah. That we just like thought was normal life. our whole yeah. entire life. I was, I had one of the emergency surgeries um, at the beginning of COVID. So I had to go into the hospital for an emergency surgery. And I had like three nurses. They got me on the operating table immediately. The whole ward was empty. I was the only one in there. And I was like, this is so creepy. Like so creepy. And that was my first red flag where I was like, something weird's going on here. Yeah. Like this. Actually, when I I was laying, I was completely out. And then I started coming back to and all the nurses were talking about COVID and then they saw that I was waking up and they're like, oh, shush, shush, shush. Like it was just so, right? right. yeah, like something's happening. So oh, I'm so, so happy. Yeah, yeah. Something's weird about all this. Um, I'm so happy that it's worked out for you it has. in Nicaragua. And sadly, a lot of my colleagues that were terminated, they don't have they're not having a great time. And this is why I continue to speak up because uh, I can, and I don't have a license anymore, so I don't care what, if the College of Nurses, um, they can't discipline me anymore. I'm not a registered nurse anymore. I'm an unregistered nurse. That's the title I've given myself. (laughs) And it's so funny, the College of Nurses, I had a rant one day on, on one of my Instagram stories and the College of Nurses just somehow was watching them. It's so weird. Interesting. It's so crazy. They, they, uh, I think they're threatened with people like me that will speak up, and I'm, I'm not scared. I have nothing to lose now. They can't do anything. I'm not participating in that. Yeah, yeah. So for you, what is or was the agenda with COVID? Like, what was that all about? I feel it was about control. It was about making people weaker. It was about um, making them so fearful with this virus, virus, <laughs> that they would do anything to get 
vaccine for to get vaccinated you know they were so scared of it and i saw it like even nurses who you know are well educated like lining up fighting like this department was mad at that department because they got to go first and i'm like oh my god are you really um this is kind of weird like i haven't had a flu shot in a long time and i i, I ha like i'm a healthy person um but then again i i'm not saying all nurses are unhealthy at all but the majority of nurses in this day and age are not healthy and i actually as a nurse was not healthy now i know it you know i drank too much red wine i didn't sleep enough because i worked nights and i was thought i was getting osteoarthritis in my knee it's funny as soon as i was put on unpaid leave and i wasn't there for a few weeks it went away so that's kind of weird we're under fluorescent lights constantly it's super negative energy in i call them the hospital slaughterhouses um so the whole thing is so unhealthy you know but added to the mix in the last probably 20 years is obesity among nurses and um, it's really bad it's you know really bad and and i would get made fun of because the units would kind of have you know like buffets for say people's birthday at two in the morning or and i would never participate in any in any buffets at work because if i was going to have like a cheap meal or whatever i want to be at home where i can be around like people that are like my family or good friends i'm not going to sit around at a nurse's station where there's sick people everywhere and just chomp on food that's not even healthy and so um yeah nurses are they need a lot of help <laughs> that's interesting that obesity would be a thing because it it seems like such a physical job. it's a very physical job but like i said you're not eating at the right times you're not um you are so stressed at work even though people would say i'm not stressed at work they are i mean especially now so that's going to put on the weight um they're working night shift alone can cause massive weight gain because you're eating and you're not sleeping. And if you don't, you know, now I know the importance of sleeping at least eight hours. And, you know, there are times where I'd be up for 48 hours. Like I'd work a night shift and then have to go on a field trip and then have to go to work the night, the, that night. And then, you know, like I took years off my life working night shift. And then nurses drink alcohol, nurses drink caffeine. Um, and that doesn't help. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's they need a lot of help, and they're so brainwashed now. And you know, I wish I could just get in there and help them all. A lot of them still follow me. I lost a lot of friends over my views. Mm -hmm. No one was there to support me. Not a lot of people were there to support me when we were losing our jobs. Everyone was like crickets. It's like some of my best friends at, at work. I'm like, oh, I stuck up for you guys all the time and I'm actually losing my job. Like, you know how to say something? Like no one would say it was crickets across the head. Nobody said it. No one would talk about it. Like I'm getting canned. I was like Miss Congeniality of Grand River Hospital. I, would, I took over their Instagram and I knew everyone in, at Grand River because I worked most of the floors. I'm like me, they're actually firing me. 
I'm like the nicest person here. I know everybody. I've worked in so many departments and they're firing me. And you don't think that's weird? We're in a pandemic still and they're firing us. And not just like any nurse, they're firing seasoned nurses. You know, I'm a nurse for 15 years. The I think the most senior nurse I got that was terminated was 35 years and she worked in the NICU. You can't replace that from wow. school. And yeah. I did a lot of the new training before I left. And um, the nurses that were coming in weren't even Canadian nurses. They were they were immigrant nurses from India. I have nothing I have nothing against Indian nurses at all. But their level of education that they get in India um, compared to the Canadian um, taught nurse are it's incomparable. And the College of Nurses so nicely weighed the, you know, the mandatory, they usually, they, I, I don't know what classes they would have to take, but if you come over from overseas, you have to have like a one or two years uh, post-education to make sure that you have the same um, equivalent education as to the Canadian nurse. Well, they weighed that. And so now they have all these new nurses coming in from India and Philippines and they don't have the same standard of learning that we have. Yeah. And so the quality of care is going to go down. Uh, and the senior nurses that, you know, have been working so much overtime, they're getting burnt out. And so the whole healthcare system is crashing in my opinion. It's, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. I'm in BC and I can't get a doctor Yeah, at all. I, I have a naturopath, so that's great because naturopaths can prescribe and stuff yeah. here differently than um, yeah. in Alberta. And is it still that nurses have to have the jab in Canada? Yeah, actually, um, I went uh, last year when I went back to Canada, um, I got a job in the emergency department at Owen Sound Hospital. And I worked 18 hours and then I was walked out because I didn't have the proper paperwork. <laughs> For your vaccine? So that's fine. But yeah, it is oh, wow. a requirement for a new job. Um, and for any of those uh, employees coming back from a leave, so if they're on sick leave, um, some moms have taken extended mat leave. If you do not have, well, at Grand River and at London Health Sciences for sure, um, if you do not have your papers upon returning from sick leave or mat leave, you will be terminated. Wow. Still. Like London Health Sciences just terminated someone like a month ago coming back from a leave. Did you see anything when you were there in regards to reactions from the vaccine? Well, and this is the thing. There was two colleagues that had taken the vaccine and I was actually just talking out my ass. They both were, heart rates went way up. Their pressures went way up. I said, oh my God, guys, like, I think that's the vaccine. And that was just me, like, talking out loud, not knowing any information, because that was March 2021. So I was talking. I had nothing to back that up at all. But I just felt like that's the only thing. Like, these people, these girls were younger than me. Like, why are you, you have to go to emerge on your shift, you know? Like, I, I think that's the vaccine, guys. I don't know. Like, you took it. So, no, can't be. And then they said, oh, it was anxiety. And I still don't believe that, but. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of people coming in with um, side effects that we know are side effects now of the vaccine, but then you couldn't even, couldn't even say that. 
yeah, couldn't even yeah. say anything. No one would ever believe you. I don't even think working there now, I don't even think people can question it now. Yeah. And there was one, I wasn't, uh, I was working that shift. He wasn't my patient. I didn't work in trauma in the, in the ER, but there is a pediatric patient that came in the end of August. Uh, he was 12 years old and he was no vital signs. And he was diabetic. And I had said to my friend, it's starting. He died. They couldn't get him back. And I said, it's starting. Obviously, he's, he's, he's diabetic. He, had the, he must have just had the vaccine because at the time they had just approved it for 12-year-olds. And I said, I bet you, I, can, like, I didn't know 100% for sure, but I bet you he had the vaccine and then he's just dropped dead. And they said, well, his sugars were low. Well, if your sugars are low, you don't just fall to the ground. And it didn't make any sense. And then just through it's such a small world, my, my friend was actually friends of the mom. And he had the vaccine four days before mm. and, and they couldn't get him back. And I'm like, we, we don't ever see that. We don't ever see that. Like how, and you know, if, if anyone comes in a sudden death or VSA, you would, okay, have they taken any medication, new medication? You would always ask that. Maybe they started on a steroid or, you know, pain pills or whatever. Like it's important to know as part of the chart, why they're coming into a merge, whether they're a VSA or not. But at that time, you, you couldn't even, you can't even ask, oh, did he have the vaccine? No, nope, you can't ask that. Well, why? We don't, so that's weird. not what we do. We always ask what has changed in the last few days to make this happen. Yeah. You're not allowed. But yet you're allowed to ask if, so somebody can enter a restaurant. So crazy. So the whole thing was so, it was just so bad. And I'm, I'm like, I thank God I'm out of here. I couldn't take it. I would end up getting fired anyway, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, loves. Just interrupting the show for one quick moment to let you all know about a product that I absolutely love and that I am an affiliate for. As you all know, I have been going through quite the healing journey these past six or so months and insomnia was part of that. And my go-to for insomnia is pearl powder. And it is also amazing. It's been used in Chinese medicine for thousands and thousands of years for our skin and bones. It's full of minerals and it is so nourishing. So, so nourishing. And so my favorite company to purchase my pearl powder, my pearl of the sea is from Wild Holistic. I love their small batch, cozy, comfy business style. And it is absolutely a pleasure to purchase their products. And my go-tos are the earth drops full of vulvic acid and humic acid and pearl of the sea and the healing body, which is turmeric, ginger, and holy basil full of anti-inflammatory goodness. And so 
there is a link for Wild Holistic in the show notes. And if you use discount code LISA, capital L, capital I, capital S, capital A, all capitals, use discount code LISA, you will receive a 10% discount on checkout. And I am an affiliate of the company because I use their product and I fully stand by it. And so by purchasing through my link, you are supporting the podcast. Part of the proceeds go to me and I am so, 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 so grateful. So yeah, back to the show. Well, good for you for standing in your truth and what aligned with your values and like, thankfully God aligned everything so that you could. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He really did. And now, you know, a lot of my friends still have their licenses and so they're, you know, they're either working for agencies or, you know, now they weren't getting hired at first, but now they, through agencies, like they're not really asking for the vaccine anymore. Um, but they still have a, a license to protect. And so a lot of them can't speak out because the college of nurses will get you in trouble for that if you speak out like that. Um, right. So I can, because I don't have a license anymore. So they can't do anything, you can't do anything to me. And I'm going to say whatever my friends want to say, I'm going to say it for them. Mm. And I don't mind because it has to be, it has to be heard by people. Do you believe that there's an agenda? to get everybody on pharmaceuticals to weaken their systems. Weaken- oh yes. They, this has been in the works for a long time. Um, it's, it's actually, once you realize that you're like, Oh my goodness, it's, they want weak, weak people so that they control. And the more pharmaceuticals that people are on, the weaker their bodies are. And that goes for pretty much any pharmaceutical drug at all. And you know, um, I'm, I feel so bad because when my son was little, he, he was getting fevers and he'd get a cough. So I'd take him to the doctor and I, he'd be on Tylenol and then he'd be on the puffers. Oh, and then all of a sudden, no, oh, now he needs his tonsils out and his adenoids out. And they didn't do it at the same time. So we had two surgeries. Oh, now he can't sit in the square a carpet time when he's in grade one. And so you should get him assessed. I'm like, well, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. But well, he's not going to have any friends if you don't get him assessed and you don't want that. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't want that. And I was on my own raising him. So it's like, I don't want to be responsible for my son not having friends. So I took him to a psychiatrist that I knew because I, I work with him too. And he said, yeah, he probably has ADHD. And I'm like, well, I don't know that he does. Like he's a boy and we'll put him on this medication. So I had him on Concerta only during school, Monday to Friday for two weeks. And I feel so horrible about it. And then he was a zombie. And guess who wasn't eating during the day? Because Concerta, all of those stimulants make you not want to eat. They decrease your, your appetite hundred percent. So, and he's not a big kid. So he, he wasn't eating. And then he, he was like a zombie. He wasn't even like Gabe. And I, so I went to the school and I was like, I'm taking him off this. You are the teacher. The same way that if you came into my hospital and said, I have a heart attack, I'm not going to expect you how to fix it. So I'm sending my son to school and you can't teach him. Guess what? I It's not my problem. You have to teach him. Whatever he's going to, however he's going to behave, that's what you went to school for. So figure it out. 
Yeah. Because this is that he's 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 not this is not good. And it was two weeks of that. And then I, I pulled him off. I went to a naturopath just to say, like, I've actually done something. We got on these drops and I said to the teacher, oh, if it gets out of hand, just give him these magical drops and he'll be fine. And they were just, you know, natural stuff. I don't even know what they were. But um, and then I said, and we switched his diet. We switched everything. And so that's how I'm going to try and help him. And if you have a problem with it, I don't even know what to tell you, but I'm not putting him on drugs. Hmm. And, you know, I think, well, I even gave him the vaccines, not, not the COVID vaccine, but, you know, all the shots. Oh, my God. And I was just like, when you look at, there was a there was a post one time with a chart of all of the milestones that kids hit with pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And I was like, check, 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 check. Oh my God, I did it. I did it. And I was a nurse. Not once did I ever ask what the side effects are of any childhood vaccines are. Not once. Why didn't I do that? I'm a nurse. I know these things. Why wouldn't I ask that? Because we're brainwashed. Brainwashed, yeah. A hundred percent. And so I think... You know, me waking up to, you know, realizing this and actually Jason Kristoff, he's my teacher. He's, oh my gosh, he's, he's opened my mind to so many things. Um, I think this is a good way for me to help my colleagues. I'm not angry with them anymore because I was that, maybe not as bad as them, but I was them at one time. And so I can understand, you know, just how mind-blowing it is to realize like everything we were ever told is a lie yeah especially yeah it brings brings in that compassion piece you know there's i was on the ferry just a month ago and there were humpback whales so everybody went to the side of the boat like to see the humpback whales and there was a woman out there with a mask on but she was eating and then she saw everybody coming out because she was sitting by herself like covered her food, put her mask on and was like glaring at everybody, like, get out of here. You know, and I, I was so mad at first because I'm like, you're being irrational. Like it's not even a thing anymore. We're just, we're outside. We're looking at the, the, the whales. Yeah. But then I sat with it. I'm like, she was so terrified. And that's what the news has done. Yeah. That's what the media has done. It's not her fault. No. I think we're being called to question things now, but she has been completely brainwashed. And that's when we all have, you know, I got my daughter's vaccines, never thought twice about them. That was what you did. Yeah. Like it was almost like, check, I'm doing my part as a parent. She's got her, you know, not second guessing any of it. Yeah. But now. A lot of things that I've had to forgive myself for. You know, now that I understand what, you know, my colleagues kind of headspaces are, I can hopefully help them or anyone else too, you know. Um, uh, And the same with the the transgender movement too. I mean, that's... So how is that playing into this pharmaceutical? Well, so 15 years ago, we never had trans kids at work, (laughs) ever. Never, ever. Not. At the time, it was um, emo. Emo, I think that's what they would call themselves. They would wear, like, black hair with black lipstick and black clothes. And they were, like, kind of like the weirdos, you know. And they 
usually a lot of kids that come to the mental health unit are, you know, kind of like the weirdos. They, um, like gothics from when I was a kid, they was gothic people that we thought were freaks or whatever, right? So, so we had the emos there that were, you know, would come in and they would all dress the same. You could tell they use the emo or whatever. And they had issues and they, you know, depression, anxiety. And, and the unit at that time, the child and adolescent inpatient psychiatry unit, was like eight beds. And that was in 2007. Um, but then in 2011 or 12, the need for adolescent mental health grew so much that they had to move to another unit. And then they were 14, 12 to 14 patients down there um, and full a lot of the time. Since then, they've expanded even more. I, I, I'm not there, but I've heard that. Um, and so I would say probably about seven years ago, maybe five years ago, we started to see these kids that you couldn't tell if they were a boy or a girl, mostly girls that would come in dressed like a boy. And as a kid, we would call them tomboys. But usually tomboys, when I was a kid, you'd see them when they were 22 or something and they'd be hot babes, like they were, you know, fully grew into their womanhood and, you know. Um, so yeah, we started seeing these trans and at the time they would say, okay, my name is, she's, it's Jane, she's a biological female, but she wants to become a male. So she wants to be called Jack. And at the time when this first movement started, it was a rule, like we couldn't call them by a different name because um, according to the, our college of nurses, like we have to check their armband. And if it says Jane Joe, we have to call them Jane Doe. But then as more and more of these kids were coming in, um, management changed that rule saying, well, you have to call them by their preferred name. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because if I'm giving medication to Jane Doe and they're saying they're Jack Doe, that's, that I can't, that's not a, it's, that's not how we get medication. <laughs> well, you, know, you just have to do it. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all, but okay, whatever. Um, and then they were coming in and they weren't like back then, maybe seven years ago, none of these kids were on hormones. But then in the last probably three, well, maybe four years now, um, it's really like they are actually coming in on injections, mostly and I don't have stats on it, but just from what I saw, it's mostly biological females wanting to be a male. And so they were coming in on injections that they get every three months, and it significantly changes, obviously, their body composition. It's going to change everything for them, you know, and cause, and have side effects that causes probably rip-roaring cancers that I don't think they're made aware of at all. And not to mention, they're minors. They are under under 17, 15, 17 years old. The youngest that we saw um, was a 10-year-old biological boy. He wanted to be a girl, so his mom dressed him like a girl. And I didn't actually see him get hormone treatment, but they were gearing up to ordering that for him. Um, treatment and he was autistic 10 years old and we had to fully go along 
with, he was John Doe and we had to fully go along and call him Jane. Dressed in women's clothes and everything, girls' clothes. Do you see a link between autism and this transgender movement? Well, that's, I see mental health for sure. Um, I don't know that I saw many autism. I saw maybe like, well, an Asperger's is sort of a form of autism. So yeah, there was a, definitely a lot of Asperger's, uh, like the quirky kids, you know. Um, but again, this is like massive mind control because it's all in their face. And, you know, you don't fit in with this crowd. Well, you come to this crowd and we're going to, you can be this and you can do anything. And now we have rights. And now, now everyone has to use a pronoun. And so before I left the, the kids psych unit, they had, they had hired a, a them, they, and, and then they started changing their program. Like the kids would have to fill out worksheets and they changed the program of, you know, name, preferred pronoun, sexuality. And it's like, why are we, why are you even discussing that? They're teenagers. Why are we talking about that? They're here because they're depressed, anxious, suicidal. And maybe that's the reason why, but obviously if they're trying to kill themselves, perhaps they're not doing the right thing and perhaps should be given hormone treatment. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like, why are they here? If they were doing the right thing, they shouldn't be here, you know? Right, yeah. And they're kids. And so yeah. I said to the staff down there one day, I said, you know, I thought it was a good idea. I had my daughter, Taylor, when I was 16. And at the time, I fully thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to have a baby, and she's going to be great. And she was great. But I'm 45 now. And I look back at myself when I was 16. Well, I don't think it was a really good decision. I wouldn't change it for the world because she's an amazing I'm so glad I had her but at least I didn't cut off my breasts and grew a penis yeah. right yeah like I can think yeah. about that now like if I did that I'd be like oh man I think I made a mistake well yeah you're 16 years old you can't make a decision to change your your biology just like you can't drive a car you can't buy a lottery ticket and you can't smoke or you can't drink but you can, you can, they can go behind their parents' back and, and they don't need their parents' permission actually to do, to go on these medications. And so they can, they yeah, can get they a prescription for these medications without their parents' consent. 100%. What does it look like in the schools? Because from what I understand, my daughter's not in school anymore, thankfully. She's yes, older. She's out. Yeah. <laughs> But from what I understand, there's quite a bit of brainwashing happening at the school level. I I can't really speak to the school level because I'm not I'm not sure. My son is in Canada right now and he is going to school. And I'm not happy about that, but he's that's his he's 15 now. So um and he said, yeah, there's so many of that there. And he's fully awake, so he totally knows. Um but it's, it's, they're making it the norm. Right. They're right? affirming they're, it. They are making it the norm and it's yeah. not the norm. And medically when, you know, a young girl transitions to a man, 
Is she on hormones for the rest of her life? Yeah, she will be after she will go on hormones for the rest of her life. Um, they'll have mastectomies, double mastectomies, and then they um, they take skin from their from their forearm or their thigh to make oh, it's a penis, it's so gross. Um, I haven't I haven't seen that. We did. Um, on the surgical floor, the one gynecologist in our hospital would do the hysterectomy for women who wanted <clears throat> to transition. But the only patient I saw was well in her his 30s. And so if you're making that decision to take out your hysterectomy because you want to be a man, I have no issues with that whatsoever. You are a capable adult. And he actually looked like a, like a man. So... Well, because of all the hormones and whatever, but uh, that's not the issue. I don't have an issue with that. If you're an adult, it's the it's the brainwashing and the and mind controlling the youth into thinking that's totally normal. And then if you say something against it, then you're a bigot. Or like if I were to say something against that at work, you know, I could have been disciplined a few times at work speaking up against that not using the proper pronouns for patients, the, the staff that have their own pronouns or whatever would get very upset with me. Well, it's a he. And I'm like, I'm giving a report. Okay, can you back off? Who cares? If I say he or she in report, who cares? And I'm actually not doing that to the patients. I don't, I don't want to. Says so she, I'm going to use she. I'm sorry. But... And, you know, and then you have patients coming in. Oh, I want to be called a cucumber. Well, that doesn't make any, like, I don't know. Well, I, I don't want to be, I'm not a he or a she, so I want to be a cucumber. Oh, okay, great. That sounds so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's affirming a delusion. Hello? Like, it's mental and, health. Which is, it's mental health, and it's, like, so much compassion for this human that's clearly struggling, but instead we're adjusting our current what is actually reality yeah. to appease them yeah instead of looking at the mental health yeah it's so crazy so and i mean in canada i mean i don't know about other countries but it's definitely coming from our government yeah. I and mean, they're definitely affirming well and the pharmaceutical companies will get a lot of um We'll get a lot of money from all of this, right? And the, you know, if they actually go through the surgeries or whatever, they they're going to be on pharmaceuticals for the rest of rest of their lives. Plus, the hospital gets money for the surgeries, and you know, it's just a money grab. And they actually don't even care. They they don't want people to produce anymore. They don't reproduce anymore. So, you know, they're taking genders. It's going to be a genderless society, so that no one actually can reproduce anymore and they're destroying the nuclear family um, for that very reason. How come you think they don't want people to reproduce anymore? Well, I think it's population control. And I think that's what this vaccine is about is they, you know, the powers that be, the 13 ruling families of the world, um, think there's too many people on the planet and so it was a good way to to get rid of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing a great job. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you spoke to the money that hospitals get for a surgery, can you envelop or just kind of speak to that a little bit more? You know, our tax dollars go to OHIP or whatever. Um, so our healthcare is not actually free. Mm-hmm. Our taxes pay for the healthcare. But if you're like me and you don't use the healthcare, you're just getting ripped off because I don't use it. So I'm paying for everyone else to have healthcare. Um, and so they're using they're using those tax dollars to pay for all of these surgeries. The doctors get the money, the hospitals get the money. And um, if you go see your doctor, every time he picks up the phone to say, hi, okay, um, you have this, I'll send in the prescription, he gets paid a lot of money. Um, And that's why your doctors get upset with you if you don't come see them regularly because they're not making any money off you. The same way when COVID hit, COVID, um, they would get the hospitals or the doctors would get extra money for saying it was a COVID death or for ordering COVID tests, or if it was just a COVID patient, they would get more money. So in a roundabout way, the doctors are actually being paid off to, oh, it's a COVID death. And I saw it with my own eyes. We had a, a stage four lung cancer patient pass away and um, the doctor had put cause of death, COVID-19. Well, yeah, he had COVID-19, I guess, but he didn't die from COVID-19. He died with COVID-19 and there's a big difference there. Yeah. You know, so they would get extra money for that, for saying a COVID-19 death. And that's what spiked all of the the media to put, you know, how many deaths, you know, constantly across the screen. And that's just a form of mind control, too. People turn on the TV and they see deaths and there's, you know, thousands of people dying every day. It puts them into fear and trauma. And, um, yeah, so it's just a moneymaker. The hospitals are just a money-making machine. And the nurses participating in that think they're getting paid well, but they are just a number. And um, they had to give nurses a raise in Ontario, well, in our hospital, because they knew that if they didn't, they could lose more. And mm-hmm. I think if they mandate the third one, there's going to be people at walk. Oh, the third vaccine. Yeah. 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 It's wild how we can see the underworkings of what's always been going on mm-hmm. come to the surface. Yeah. With this and also with the transgender movement. And, you know, I, I've gotten in a few heated conversations with people around, you know, the, you know, the intention might be because then this human is on medication for the rest of their life. And, you know, all that kind of stuff and the surgeries and they're like, well, no, healthcare is free. And, you know, and it's like, no, it's actually not like we're, yeah. we're paying for it quite a bit with, you know, having a kid nowadays, the, the easy solution can be like, we'll take them out of school, yeah, homeschool them. 
but that's not an option for a lot of people because our country, Canada, is very much where if it, both parents aren't working anymore, you can't you can't get by because mm-hmm. I mean, groceries have gone through the roof, everything's gone through the roof. And so, how, does anything come up for you on how we can educate our children to see what's actually going on? Well, what I've been doing with my son Gabe, um, and he's going to be fifteen in November. And by the way, that's all by design. The two parents working, the the the, the inflation, the prices of everything—that's all by design to keep the parents busy working, so the kids can be indoctrinated over here. Um, so with my son Gabe, and like I said, he's fifteen. I I keep it real with him, and I'm really showing him power of mind control and the power of just what his phone or listening to the news, what it can do to his brain. And, um, and I've recently just learned this all. So it's actually really exciting for me to be able to share with him. I mean, he knows, he knows something's up. He knows, um, and a lot of the, what he knows is from TikTok too, because there's a lot of awake little people now just through TikTok talking about the Illuminati and, and all of this stuff. And so, you know, now it doesn't make me seem so crazy uh, when I do talk about it. He's like, Oh yeah, I knew about that. Oh yeah, I know about that. I know that there's direct energy weapons and, you know, because they are talking about it on TikTok. So at least that part is good. Um, I think just trying to keep your kids off of, their phones as much as possible. I know a lot of kids don't watch the news, which actually is probably a good thing. Um, like I never watched the news in my home and I wasn't raised like that either. But the, I think the kids who have the parents that keep, you know, have CNN on or breakfast television or whatever, they are the ones that subconsciously they are hearing everything that the TV is telling them. Um, even though they might be doing something in another room, their subconscious picks up on that. And so they're hearing all that. Um, so I know for sure my son isn't like that because he wasn't raised like that. So um, it's hard for parents now, but the phones are bad. The phones are a really, really bad thing for them. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because I think, you know, as a parent, I get sucked into my phone from time yeah. to time and then Brooklyn sees me on my phone and, you know, and she's almost 23, so I can't yeah. harp on her too much. She's not at home, but it, it, it are like the phone is a perfect example yeah, of something that has been designed yeah. to control yeah. and to suck you in and make you like weaken your strength essentially. Yeah. Well, and that too, I mean, the phone is really bad, but what what Jason has taught me is that if you eliminate a lot of the toxins in your life, coffee being one of them, and I know a lot of people get real sensitive about that. I wasn't really a coffee drinker. I drank real great tea, which still is caffeine. Um, But caffeine actually decreases your brain function by 52%. And so people are having that all the time. And I mean, you're... People think that, oh, no, it's just coffee. I'm fine. They actually, it's doing a lot worse than what you think. And there's a reason why they, powers that be, has, has made coffee available like 
every two steps in every city. It's so it's it's a, a dumbing down drug. Caffeine is probably one of the worst drugs. And then people don't people don't even realize that. The other one is alcohol. And you know, um, so I'm pretty open about that with my son. He's not of drinking age, but I'm hoping I'm with the repetitive content, like the same mind control that the media does to people, I'm kind of doing to him. <laughs> and it's funny because he said, uh, he said I, I told him to do a Spanish class this year in school, and he said, no, he's not going to. And then all of a sudden he called me the other day. He's like, oh, I changed Spanish. And I was like, really? See, it works. <laughs> <laughs> for good. I'm doing it for good. It's only for good. It for good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the repetitive content. So you could do with your daughter, you could, you know, just say things a few times. It only takes two times or something to get into your subconscious and it's already in there. You know, yeah. my daughter just quit yeah. drinking. And that was from me saying, well, I don't drink anymore. If I have one, if I have, if I have a drink, I would be one beer, light beer, and that's it. I don't need any more. And I don't drink coffee anymore. And I don't go to Starbucks and, and, so it just by osmosis, it rubs off on her, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, What's your reasoning for not going to Starbucks anymore? Oh, they're a globalist company. They're super woke, aren't they? Yeah, they're globalist and they're owned by Bill Gates. And so I haven't had a Starbucks and trust me, I'm like, I'm like Starbucks junkie. I have Starbucks oh, yeah. cups from all over the world. I have Starbucks everything. And uh, last year I was just like, I can't do it anymore. I think their cups are lined with things of bad poisons. And I just, uh, I said, that's They're it. They're owned by Bill Gates? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm a yeah. Starbucks junkie. It's really bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. I can't even, it's, can't even believe how bad it is. And I was that person. Like I, when I was pregnant with Gabe, I had a picture of a, a T-shirt with a peace sign on it holding a Starbucks cup like that was one of my paternity photos. Like I, I was a Starbucks junkie. And so it has been since August 16th was my last Starbucks that I had in Canada. And so I now I'm off wondered. coffee or whatever. So yeah, I don't drink coffee, but I drink their linen fogs. Yeah. It's but I mean, but their, their, yeah. their cups are lined with poison. I'll have to get back to you on what poison it is, but it, uh, it, uh, it's, I don't know. Am I losing connection here or no? No, I've still got you. Okay, good. Um, yeah, it's poison. Same with Tim Hortons. Oh, I think Tim you're Hortons. back. Are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Hello? Okay, I hear you. Okay. <laughs> I am so in funny. Central America. <laughs> yeah, no, it could happen. Um, I don't doubt that it's lined with poison at all. I've often like... Like there's something about it that just like is addictive. It's probably nicotine. Probably. Among other many horrible things. Uh, I quit Tim Hortons probably five or six years ago. And my friends thought I was crazy. I'm like, there's some line in this cup to making me addictive. Because if I didn't get Tim Hortons Earl Grey tea by nine, uh, 845. Did I lose you again? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I quit Tim Hortons too. They really have something in their cups. Yeah. So crazy. It's so crazy. And it's, I mean, there's an excitement with it as well 
that all of this is coming to the surface so that it can change, you know, like to think like, oh, 13 families run the world right away. It's like, well, no, but it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think you have to search far to find that map of those 13 families or, you know, that are running the world. Yeah. And And they want us all dead. That's all. Yeah. So, and it's all like, and do you think they want us like this transhuman? Yeah. Where we're very um, controllable. I, think I mean, so. I, I can go down some rabbit holes sometimes, yeah. but I did, I did read that the jab was going to create a different yeah. kind of human. And maybe it's not true, but the crazy part is that a lot of these theories have come true. Yeah. And so it just begs like the question of why don't we question everything? You know, why don't we just start to question why we do the things that we do? Yeah. And is there a better way? You know, can we break free from that? I think so. I think it's an exciting time to be alive. I'm really, I'm really pumped about it all. And I, I just feel like there's some, um, so many people waking up right now and there's so much hope for everybody. And I know that um, I'll be done in Jason's course in about a month or so, and then I'll be a certified self-sabotage coach, which I will be able to help people with their self-sabotages, whether it's caffeine, alcohol, um, financial, whatever. And it only takes two sessions and you just have to reprogram yourself. And um, it's actually quite easy. And then once you reprogram, it's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Life's so yeah. much better, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, um, what's been your biggest lesson along the way? I think to trust my gut instinct. Um, if I didn't trust that instinct to get up and leave Canada, I would have still been there. And I learned from that, that as a human, I'm so powerful, (laughs) you know, I, as a human, I feel so powerful. Um, Like I pretty much do anything. Um, And it's so crazy how, I mean, I, I was like the underdog, right? I was a single mom, two kids, working in rat race and um, I didn't come from a wealthy family at all um, and I was in debt and my mortgage and whatever and, and you know I'd look to other colleagues and friends and they had you know the double car garage and the husband and, um, and now I look at them and I actually feel bad for them because they are still stuck even though they have, you know, everything that they were actually told. Yeah. You know, they were told that they get married and have kids and have a garage, double car garage, and the cars, you know, everything. And so what I have made for myself is no one told me to do this other than myself. And finally, after 11 years, I finally, finally found an amazing man that, 
that I spend, he lives in Canada and he comes down here in the winter. And so now that's kind of our thing. He'll come down here for the winter and then I'll go to his house for the summer. And he's amazing. And uh, he was a firefighter in my, my town there. And he quit. So he retired because of the mandates. He wasn't going to get on board with that. So um, it seems like now everything that I've ever wanted or that I didn't think I wanted, I have now. I have a house and I have two wonderful kids. I have a, a man that loves me and I have an incredible family and all of us are fascinating. All of us are um, And I think, like I, I said before, it's because we were brought up so weird. My mom and dad divorced when I was really young and, and he was a musician. He wasn't this dad that came home at five every night and watched the news. We were not allowed to have TV. We were not... Uh, we didn't celebrate Halloween. We lived in a schoolhouse like we were the weirdest family ever. But now, like, thank God we had such a weird childhood because we're not scared to be the weirdos. And I'm not scared to say, yeah, I'm tapping out of the Matrix and I'm living in nature and I'm going to enjoy my life. And I'm not going to work until I'm 65 so that I can just die five years later and not enjoy my life. I still want to help people. I'm really called to just trying to wake people up. And, or maybe not wake people up, but just let people know their true potential. And and I can do that now because, again, my gut told me, like, I got to get on Jason's course. And I, I, I have to take it. Um, it's just taught me so many things, and I've, I've just leveled up so much. Having him as a mentor, you know, it's so cool. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you um, for this conversation, love. Where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Corey Bingle. It's my name. Okay. Uh, the link will be in the show notes as well. So, yeah, Great. thank you for speaking <laughs> the truth and getting it out there in the world. And, yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.